to As It Goes, or welcome. If you're new here, I'm Lydia. I'm the founder of Reself, the digital platform connecting you in the most meaningful way to yourself, each other, and the world we inhabit. I hope you're having a beautiful day, and if you're feeling a little down, I know today's episode is going to inspire you and light a spark under your internal fire. I'm so excited to share this episode. First, if you're not already part of the Reself community on Instagram, head over and join us at reself.ing. Little play on the noun verb definitions of Reself, which you can check out on the website. I'll drop the link there to explore that little fun play on words. But over there on the Instagram, you'll get your daily dose of Reself perspectives to reset, reignite, and keep everything going. Eventually, we'll revisit why I decided to utilize this space of social media as a tool for connection, even with my personal qualms and my story about not personally using social media since I was 18. I will also link that in the show notes if you want to check out that episode of our conversations here. But for now, let's enjoy the infinite gray areas of life together, huh? Okay, if you're a tiny home fanatic like me and you love watching videos of tiny home builds, off-grid cabins, van builds, as you slowly plot your home masterpiece, this episode is for you. I sat down with Von Dabney, the founder of Unoma House, building smart modular spaces for eco-conscious consumers to live and work more sustainably. Von's passion, knowledge, and heart will invite you to open your mind and heart to what's possible for yourself and for our world to rethink how you're living and offer simple solutions to live in harmony within so that we live in harmony throughout our connection with Mother Earth, each other, all interconnected, all one, as we begin to solve these root problems, which you know we're all about here at Race Health. Within, we can begin to move out and solve the root problems of the ways we live, the ways we consume, the ways that we engage with the world around us, so that it's the most meaningful, harmonious way. It's not idealistic. It's nature, baby. And without further ado, let's dive in. Vaughn, would you please introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Vaughn Dabney. I am the builder of the Tiny Home Truck, which is my current home inside of a delivery truck. (laughs) And I'm also the founder of Unoma House, and we are a, a, a company that is redefining home by creating a network of sustainable housing options, which include uh, building livable spaces inside of Sprinter vans, as well as smart modular homes that can actually generate their own electricity. Amazing. So cool. Okay. Already so many questions. First, what has your journey, what brought you to this point? What brought you to alternative sort of 
living spaces um, and founding Unoma House? Yes, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I think it actually, the precipice happened when I was younger, um, talking four or five years old and it just came full circle. My grandfather is part of the inspiration for me building my home inside of a delivery truck because when I was younger, he, and still to this day, he's always lived in a converted van, a camper, a trailer, a truck with a, a, you know, a living space in the back of the bed. So he's never had an apartment or home that I've ever seen since I've been alive. And moving into this space of, you know, I was in downtown LA, I was paying $2,000 a month for rent. And then I traveled the country for two months. When I came back, I didn't want to pay rent anymore. There, there's zero return on investment. And, you know, money's just going down the drain. So I wanted to think of an alternative solution. And I also wanted to do something that seemed exciting. And so instead of getting a tiny home that I had to pull with the trailer, or instead of getting, you know, a container home, which I had to have land for, I wanted something to meet in the middle. I needed a vehicle that could also be my home. And I went with the, the delivery truck, you know, your typical FedEx UPS type truck. And- um, High ceilings. <laughs> yeah, high ceilings. I have seven foot ceilings and I have 126 square feet that I used. And um, I built my home in that. And it was, it was the most exciting thing that I've ever done in my life to date. And when I was done, which was around 2019, 20-ish, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I knew people would come and say, hey, are you doing this for other people? Can you build me one mm -hmm. selling your truck? And so two years later, or a year later, actually, I started my company, Unoma House. And I stopped, I stopped all my software development. I, I, I tapered that off. And... Now I've been running this company for two years and it's been incredible. And it really is just, it is to redefine home. It's to get us thinking about what are the other options versus living in this apartment or condo or home that's in one place that you can never take with you. Whereas our philosophy is why can't home be wherever you are? Mm. And why can't we create a home wherever you want to be? and also give you access to homes on demand. And so we're working on a subscription model where you subscribe every month, you pay a certain fee and you have access to different homes mm -hmm. anywhere we have them, anywhere at our network, right? Now we've, re we've really democratized housing. Now we've created housing for people who want it. And obviously we move into the space of the unhoused, the disadvantaged, the people who are living on the streets of cities all over, uh, mostly in the US is where I'm focused right now, but how can we provide housing for everybody because we have too many resources for everyone not to be housed? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. I think it's so poignant how much that experience of building your own home is then when you say, okay, I did this for myself. 
I can do this for other people. And I also want to do this to solve a major issue in our shared spaces and in our community. And that's so, it's so important. And I think, you know, first off, like, for me, I'm so curious about this space. I love watching YouTube videos of people building tiny homes and cabins and like self-sustaining homesteads because I really resonate with that. And that's like, it's a goal of mine because I think there's so much to one, I mean, if it's up someone's alley to actually physically building your own space and being a part of that. I think, you know, there's so many ways that we're disconnected from our food, from our homes, from all of the things that are part of our everyday life. And I think that there's a deep meaning. And I think that it's clear from your journey, the meaning that comes from being involved in that process and also saying, hey, wait, I know that we have this model. I know mortgages are a thing that we accept as like a norm and you know but how are our rent you know how is this not serving us what are the alternatives yeah it's so um i think i think to your point um at least in my eyes housing was not only created for shelter, but um, for community, Mm. right? If you look at housing as a community builder and a a fostering of community, a a vehicle to foster community, that's that's what every house should contribute to. Every home should contribute to community, right? And, And I think we've moved away from that. It's become- No pun intended just a place yeah <laughs> we moved away from that it's like we're we're building just for i mean primarily for the financial gain a lot of developers are building for financial gain right let's let's be honest right uh, we're not building to create community mm-hmm. there are certain cities across the globe mm-hmm. that are though and, mm-hmm. and I think, at least in America, we need to look at some of those cities that are fostering community by building community. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's part of our core values. Like we are building community by building communities uh, to, to, to go back to you knowing your neighbor and to go back to the world is bigger than myself and to go back to we're all in this together and every effect that uh, I have on you will the, will have an effect on somebody else, right? The, the, the butterfly effect, the chain reaction. Yeah. So I just important that we get back to community. Mm, totally, totally. It's such a great point. And I think, again, you know, how many of us know our neighbors? How many of us, you know, have those, those connections? I, um, I've spoken with someone that's, uh, in the sustainable development space and she and her husband are really passionate about this as well. And, and creating, you know, self-sustaining 
homes that center around, you know, um, like communal garden. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, where we can ask the questions and look at, you know, human-centric approaches and redefining it is so, so, so valuable. So I'm curious what, um, what is, what is your, your, your vision, your goal with Unoma House? I think my vision really has to do with, um, first of all, access Mm -hmm. to housing, but I want to, I'm a technologist at heart. I love engineering and I love futuristic, right? Mm-hmm. So I really want to be a pioneer in pushing our country forward in a more sustainable way, but also I, I want a I want a cool factor. I, I want I want to look at something in America and say, wow, like that that is what I dreamt about when I was 10 years old about being possible. This this home is what I dreamt about being possible when I was 10 years old, right? And, and, and the, the irony is that, you know, we go to these car shows all the time and we see these really neat cars beyond our comprehension. <laughs> and they're like coming out in 2030. Mm. 2030, it's kind of normal. Mm-hmm. It, every car looks like that now, every feature that that car has, every other car has. Mm-hmm. I want to get to a place where it's like, yo, that's that's beyond, and it's accessible. That, mm-hmm. That's, I mean, take a look at the BMW i8, right? The i8 and the i3, very different cars from anything else on the road, mm-hmm. and they're futuristic. They look futuristic, and they have features that are futuristic, right? BMW did that right. I don't, I don't know of any car company right now that has released a car that looks futuristic and is available right now mm-hmm. so i want to do that with housing i want to create houses that are homes that that generate their own electricity that create a microgrid when you connect them together that have uh, battery banks that you can charge with your car when you're on your way to work right how can we how can we make this self-sustaining electrical producing home that has a extremely small footprint mm-hmm. and creates i mean in essence a community of electricity right when you mm-hmm. connect it together now you have a grid a micro grid so anyway i, I won't give too much away because <laughs> we're building out those features but i just want to push us forward along with doing good mm. so important and such a great reminder that progress and doing good are the same thing. Yeah, and, and, and there's, there's, I think social good entrepreneurs get the short end of the stick because not many investors and VCs and angels look at the social good industry as a way to, to potentially make money. And there's, <laughs> right. there's when, when you involve humans, there's absolutely money in it. We're just, our our focus is not the money. It's to have an affect, to have a change in the world, but there's absolutely money there. 
And I think I, I really would like to break that stigma down with mm -hmm. what I'm doing and invite VCs, invite angels, invite investors to come into this space and help us brainstorm how to make money. If, if you don't feel that we can make money in this space, then brainstorm with us because I guarantee you there's money in this, but the social good is, is priority. Yeah. Not the money. If you were to give me $10 million and say, Vaughn, make this happen, but you can only pay yourself $100,000 a year to live. Mm -hmm. Fine. Like, let's do it. I'm, I'm right. here. For, I'm here to hire all the people, get all the facilities, all the machinery, all the equipment, whatever we need to. But I'm here for that just to produce and create. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. I totally resonate with that. Totally. It's so it's so valuable. And I was just speaking to um, Anna, the founder of Zenimals, and we were talking about on the podcast before this, we we're talking about um, Patagonia and how mm -hmm. I think that's going to be, we were talking about how that's such an example in this context of like, good is profitable mm -hmm. and good scales. And yeah. that is, I think, such a valuable um, ceiling yep. to have broken through in that context. Um, mm -hmm. I think exactly what you said, it's, it's not that either or negate each other. It's all about the collaboration, right? If yeah. someone's coming from it from simply a numbers perspective and you have someone coming from it from a human-centered approach, yeah. meeting in the middle is like, that's where something yeah, that's where it's at. Comes, right? The math is. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Yeah. I mean, every, every product every product out ideally attacks a human problem, right? Mm -hmm. like every, right. Every product, that's, that's what every product is supposed to do. However, there are some products that are better than others, right? And that's where you get the company that focused more on the effect on that human using their product mm -hmm. versus just a product to make money. Right. And, and, and I think there's an, there's an apex there. We, as we approach like a convergence of human-centric models with profitability, like where where that meets is where I'd like to get to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same, same. Okay, looping back because I'm so curious about this. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about um, your grandfather's philosophy about his like um alternative sort of living and and what i guess elaborate more on how that impacted you as a kid because i can only imagine as a kid how that would have shaped your perspective and yeah yeah um so my grandfather is from what i know about him and what i've talked to him about uh he it's just a very simple person. He's a very efficient person. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing extra. Nothing unneeded. Or yeah, I mean, yeah. he he has a very minimalistic approach to life, and he, he from what I know, he's he's always had that mindset. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't really big on birthdays or holidays. Um, 
no cards, no calls or anything like that. I think as he got older, older, he realized that people enjoy hearing from him. Mm. But but we all knew grandpa right. is, is is I called him I call him G, but we all knew G was not gonna call you or send you a card or anything like that. Um however, if at any moment in time you needed something, you could ask him or whatever. He 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 is all about he, he loves his family. Um and I've always seen that. And he's one of the most innovative persons I know in my life. And so he inspired a lot of my inventive ways and my uh, my, my interest in tools and building. Mm -hmm. And so he just, um, you know, seeing that at such a young age, it was, I had never seen it before. Before I saw his van, I don't know, I would think I was four or five. Right. Before I saw one of his vans, but. What year would that have been? Um, That would have been like 88. Okay. 80, 1989, the late right. 1900s. Uh, <laughs> um, so not a lot of people are doing this, obviously. Very. Yeah, I, mean, I think at that time, of course you had people mm. Vans and camping vans, like right, right. Van conversions are nothing new. I, I would say pre nineteen eighties, right? Like you had the V Dub buses. Right. In the seventies, I'm sure people were living in vans. Totally. Probably before that. So <laughs> I'm not sure when the date it it first became a thing, but yeah, I'm sure in the eighties there were plenty of people living in vans. I just never seen it, mm -hmm. uh, especially as a, a as a as a black boy, like. Mm. You know, we don't see that in in our communities. My mother's white, my father's black, but mm -hmm. um, I was raised by my mom. But I we grew up in I was in various black communities, black and brown communities, and that wasn't talked about. No, no one mm -hmm. had ever seen that. And and still to this day, there are people who are friends of mine in my community that have, have never seen anything like this, or they've seen it, but they haven't seen it in person. So a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of the people that know me. I'm the only one that they know that lives in a converted anything. Right. But it absolutely became more popular during the pandemic because mm. it was an option. It was an option to travel the country and live and potentially make money if you rent your van out. So anyway, I, I, I get off topic. My, my grandfather had an effect on me more than just building this, this truck out, but just in general about life and living efficiently and um no excess mm -hmm. right just, here's what you need to be happy right and you know enjoy life but here's what you need to be happy you don't have to have an abundance of things that you'll never use or never enjoy yeah yeah totally <laughs> i love to play a little game with myself where i ask myself if i was living in a much smaller and much more simplified situation yeah what i have two of this what i you know i like to play that game because i think it's such a it's all about that perspective and you know minimalism simplicity i think there's so much value in that um perspective i think especially in america the west in general when 
in in the large scale we're kind of sold pursue more and you'll be happier sure and i've been thinking of this question since prior to jumping on this chat have you read walden by thoreau i have not if you're into it i totally recommend it it's okay. so interesting it's about his two years that he spent living in a cabin that he built mm. um and it's kind of i think he's kind of funny and sarcastic about the way that he reflects on you know that being so different from the life of people in in concord massachusetts at the time and um his simplicity like one of the things that stood out to me that he said was i had nothing in my cabin like i never locked my cabin people would come in you know whatever when i left he left for a month and went to maine and like never locked his cabin and that was i mean i think that is such an interesting little outtake yeah. where it's like how many of us would feel comfortable doing that for a month yeah. leave your house and leave it unlocked you know yeah. it's right um but it's that idea of how simple and how getting down to those necessities like what what is there for someone to want to to take what is sure. there to take sure. um yeah I, I think it's it's really an interesting alternative to get curious about and to see how we can apply it in our own lives even just simplifying um some of the some of the excess in our lives because i think for me you know in a, in a space where we live like when we live in such a small space right a studio apartment the more crowded it is with stuff the more crowded our minds feel yeah, yeah. um when when things are simple the mind is simple the heart is simple and i think yeah. it's actually Thoreau that says this um it's a quote along the lines of like the luxuries sever us from the truths of life mm. and what you described about your grandfather just to me feels like a living embodiment of being connected to to those truths yeah of life yeah i mean he traveled ev almost everywhere like he used to send me stuff from all the countries he, he went to and um he's always he's always seemed pretty happy i know everybody deals with different things but right. um he's experienced so much of life that i have not and again, he's one of the most minimalist persons i know uh, so and i'm and and i also tell people minimalism doesn't mean you don't have it doesn't have to do with the quantity of things in your mm -hmm. life say it has to do with what is the minimal amount of things that you need right. to operate and and be happy and and enjoy your life and what does that look like with your industry mm -hmm. um, you know someone i dated a while ago she was an actress minimalism required her to have all of the clothes that she had and all of the shoes that she had because that was required for her auditions or whatever it was, right? That right. that's her minimalism. And so mm -hmm. I think it's important that people don't get caught up in reducing their life 
versus looking at what can be reduced mm. for you to still maintain your happiness and not be uh, overzealous or have things that you never use that are just there. Right. I mean, there are a few things in my life that I feel you should have multiples of is books, art, and plants. So <laughs> I love you, that. You have multiples of those all day long and still be happy and still like not feel that you're um, uh, being over con consuming and hoarding like all plants all day long books all day long <laughs> yeah yeah i'm there with you i'm there with you it's so true i like what you said like her minimalism yeah. really looking at you know i something i like to say is like you know my lydia-ness your vaughn-ness of mm. something so that's exactly it's it's such a good point it's so not one size fits all yeah, no, no 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 i think people get caught up in that too in terms of hey. being defeated like oh i can never be a minimalist versus mm. hey, well let's take a look how many saucepans do you have and how many do you use right. if you only use two of them all the time the rest can go right and also looking at ice my myself questions all the time when i sometimes i get rid of stuff or i donate stuff if i cannot replace it I'll keep it, especially if it's like uh, sentimental value right. um, or something I maybe I want my future children to have. But right. uh, and that's that's very sparingly. But <laughs> if it's something that I can replace, mm -hmm. I, I'll get I'll get rid of it. it there's no need. There's it's, if I'm not using it and it's just here, there's no reason for me not to donate it or, or sell it or get rid of it because I can get another one. Mm hmm. Mm hmm so true so true i think also in in that context quality mm -hmm. um that's for me that was one of my biggest lessons when introduced to minimalism was yeah. looking at the quality of things especially like i come from a fashion background and that's especially been you know a passion of mine with the rise of fast fashion is like when we don't have quality products, this culture of throwaway, and even I think it even goes to what you're talking about with, this is an interesting conversation that I had with um, my dad, who's a very fix-it oriented guy, yeah. build it yourself, and another one of my friends, and, and we were talking about how I feel like that and it's interesting because I feel like not that it's a gendered thing. I feel like it applies to guys more. This mentality of building and fixing. I, so my dad, my friend and I were talking about like how many guys off the street in New York would be capable of fixing their drywall if something yeah. happened. And yeah. I feel like it's the thing is, I feel like it's a generational thing that sure. has been lost and again sure. it doesn't have to apply to guys because of my dad I know how to do this stuff right yeah but um again I think that there's so it's the self-sufficiency there's yes. so much value and self-worth and empowerment in that self-sufficiency self-sufficiency and it gets to what you're doing with Unoma House with not only self-sufficient spaces, flexible spaces, but also literally generating electricity from these spaces. Yeah. It's 
incredibly valuable and you know such a unique perspective that's so necessary and like you said that's that's the future why isn't that the future why yeah. would we keep going in the direction yeah. we're going that's not serving yeah absolutely um i, I think like like I'm a, I'm a problem solver i've i've always been this way i i look at things you can place me in an environment or a workplace and i'll immediately identify all the inefficiencies and and how to solve them or what resources or tools i need to solve them and so like life life is really that for me i my daily life i'm i'm constantly looking or thinking about problems um and and what potential solutions could be and um you know something as simple as i, I believe there's codes starting to pop up but mm. i was talking to a friend yesterday about uh fires in the home and I haven't seen, again, it may have changed now with newer homes being built, but I have not seen sprinkler systems in homes, like mm. fire, fire sprinkler systems in homes. I've seen fire sprinkler Same. systems in apartments, yeah. but I have not seen many in homes. And that was interesting to me because um, there's actually a town in, Phil in, in Pennsylvania that enacted this that all homes would have sprinkler systems and it reduced fatalities by 96 percent oh, wow <laughs> and it reduced um it reduced i'm sorry reduced fatalities by 70 percent and reduced property damage by 96 percent uh something like that like crazy crazy numbers right. Right? And, and there and since they enacted it there have been uh oh it was it was something crazy it was like i can't remember it was it was but it was it was proof that mm -hmm. i don't want to misspeak but it was proof that sprinklers in homes help <laughs> as totally. they should as they should right? right um but how many times have you seen a fire engine or heard of a fire engine pulling up to a house for, for a house fire, right? there's no mention of like any kind of sprinkler system at all. Right. right. Um, they talk about the cost, they talk about construction, and there's a lot of lobbying against it with developers in terms of various things, but I think it comes down to money. Um, yeah. I think on the money and political uh, things that we don't know about. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so. <laughs> anybody listening that's not what this is but i would do the research i haven't done it yet but i i really want to do the research on what states and cities have enacted these codes to have sprinkler systems but that is that is a small example mm -hmm. of why aren't we there yet totally why aren't we there yet that, that doesn't make any sense to me at all Same. <clears throat> you know? why have we not figured out a way to to flow with the, the effects of hurricanes in the southern part, the southeastern part of the United States, right? We mm. Katrina was 20 years ago, something like that. And we're still hearing 
the assumption of fatalities. We're still hearing the assumption of people drowning. Like we have not solved this problem yet. Mm -hmm. It's happening beyond 20 years. I'm just talking right. about Katrina to now. But right. we haven't solved it. We haven't come up with any kind of viable solutions to really attack this problem. Can we put inflatable rafts on everyone's roof? And when the water rises, we can access that? I don't know. Uh, what do the logistics look like? But um, I, uh, I really just want to be in positions in my life to be able to solve problems in the world. Like that mm -hmm. is my goal, that is my mission. That is what I feel like I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So clear, it's so clear. I mean, even when you like rafts in every home that just, yeah, again, something, something. Make, but it's just so sad, like it just makes sense. Yeah, something. It's just something that makes sense. And it's, I mean, I think what, you know, I think something that I'm learning from, you know, a philosophy background and and merging that with entrepreneurship is like, instead of harping on the problem, focusing on the solution, but it just, one just has to ask the question. I feel like, like you said, Katrina, something so major happened. And like you said, we're still here. We're assuming, you know, uh, fatalities. And I just read an article in the New York Times yesterday that was talking about, you know, homelessness that yeah. is and has come from this yeah. um, in Florida. And again, it's, it's why? Yeah. Why when we can solve these things, something so simple as sprinklers. When you said that, never had I thought about that. <laughs> never does it make more sense you know yeah. um, and I just I mean I don't know I don't I don't know why anyone would argue against that yeah and, and, I, and, and again I, there may be somebody on here who is uh, privy to more information but I have seen homes without sprinklers all I need is one right there should be zero homes without sprinklers. So right. I'm sure somebody may know of any states or cities or codes that have been enacted maybe mm -hmm. in years or in specific regions of the country that for builders. But um, I, I, I looked, I did a brief search yesterday and it is an issue. It is an issue that has been raised in various cities where people want sprinklers in homes and the cities like, nah, that's not going to work. Like we need to figure mm. out a different way or it's going to be too costly or I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what some of the rationale is, but um, right. absolutely cities that exist that have homes that don't have sprinklers. Right. So that shouldn't be a thing at all. It shouldn't. And like, when you go back to the numbers piece of it all, the, in the money piece, it's like, that's then where you're losing money as a city yeah. because you have yeah. to use resources to solve those problems that come up because you're not solving the root that's like what I'm doing with reself is all about that and it's clear that I think you function at this same thing let's solve the root problem right let's stop putting band-aids yeah 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 it's so and again I think that's also to me that's where the venture capital and the social entrepreneurship meets yeah. is at that root 
great changes can happen, profitable changes can happen, and um, scale of that happens. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to people getting excited about investing in social good ventures. And there are a few people doing that, but like truly creating a culture of social good ventures and investing in those and even creating, I would love to have my own fund one day mm-hmm. where I can do that. I can, I can raise money to invest in social good entrepreneurs that have had a tough time raising money because no one thinks their business is viable. Um, I, I'd like to do that because it, it, uh, that's how we become better humans. That's how we create a, a better world, a better global community, right? Mm-hmm. It is if we look at these social good components and say, we might lose some money on this, but how many lives are we affecting doing that until we run out of money how many lives are we affecting and who knows what can come from those affecting of lives uh there could be another vc that comes out of that pool of people who's been helped and now they create an even better fund for social good you just don't know and that's how i think all the time like we just don't know who's gonna do what how it's gonna affect this person Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important, like, just to be a good human. Totally. All the time. time. Yeah. Totally. I mean, even what you're, what, what you're describing is, I think the crux of it, which is why, so my background a little bit, obviously, so I, I studied philosophy in college and I came up during a time and personally when I hated capitalism and I think that it's a thing right now and there are reasons why the system doesn't work for everyone and there are problems in the system that we need to fix and it's a serious thing however it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. and I never had an interest in business mm-hmm. I didn't ironically I was accepted to the entrepreneurship program at my college and like laughed at it and never never set foot in a business class um (laughs) how I think that's very like entrepreneur of me absolutely but but, um I like had a really big problem when I started this and and came from my philosophy and was like everyone this should be everyone should be learning this like this is what empowers us to enact changes in our lives to to have you know value systems and perspectives you know like your grandfather exemplified where it's like we're here to live to be alive we've got as far as we know this is it this is the one life so to speak and you know I think so often when we lose perspective of that like simple fact and profound fact that's where a lot of I think the symptoms start to arise, anxiety, depression, um, and for example, and um, I struggled with the capitalist piece of it because of the context and perspective that I had come to that um, with until I realized, for example, like you said, with 
um, you know, hurricane prone areas. And for example, solving that problem by putting rafts in everyone's house. That's a problem that business can solve when yeah, yeah. clearly government is not solving it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like the light bulb moment I had Free about, right, exactly. And like, to me, you know, we spoke about progress earlier. I always, you know, growing up when social media became a thing, when technology was like really blooming and blossoming, I was like, this isn't progress. Hmm. Or what are, what, what about everyone that's unhappy? What about like the actual issues of life that root so to speak um and it it sort of made me realize like business can solve that like that's it doesn't have to go against it like we've been talking about and also you know what you were just describing is instead of looking at what is what's been done in perpetuating that for example like vcs if they have a model that these types of companies do well this is the return on investment so we're going to keep going yep. with that then you're missing that whole piece of what you described with future visionaries that have real solutions that do real good and yeah yeah i'm and just so passionate about it because I think I don't know why we don't see it yet like as a collective a lot of it is bureaucracy a lot of it is government red tape you know local and national it's just you know money money drives the U.S. economy in terms of like um, decisions and most most of us know that or should know that right no society has ever succeeded being purely socialist mm -hmm. and no society has ever succeeded being purely capitalist there's always some kind of balance um the now that 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 middle marker mm -hmm. is sometimes not in the middle you know sometimes it's 70 percent capitalist 30 percent social but we, we need capitalism but we also need socialism and i think for a long time socialism has not um held an importance right I mean, is it, it is important just as capitalism is important right I, i'm not a socialist i'm not a pure capitalist i i believe in the two and and we should have both of those but a lot of a lot of like why we don't get things done is bureaucracy mm -hmm. you look at other countries and they're like like you like years ahead tokyo is Japan is 10 years ahead, 15 years ahead of us. There are countries in Europe that are implementing, um, you know, EVs, electric vehicles a lot sooner than we are. They, they have uh, recycled programs for food mm -hmm. where restaurants take that, the food, they don't throw it away. They give it to, and there are some restaurants here that do that, but why is it not a national mandate, right? Why is it not a nationwide thing for us to do something like that? Mm -hmm. And it comes down to money. It comes down to bureaucracy and money and red tape. And so once we can figure out how to move past those things and get people in, in office, specifically local government that can make changes, 
right. uh, for, for capitalism, for business, and for the, the people, mm-hmm. I think that's where that's where we win. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And again, I mean, I it's when looking at it like that, it's for example, when you solve the problem of hunger and un you know un not having access to food for everyone then when you solve that survival necessity then those people have the opportunity to get out of that state and to contribute and like live their purpose contribute authentically and that's economically of value and yeah it's yeah 100% you make more money if people are happy right so if you get people healthy and happy and not everyone wants to be off the street there are some people that want to live there forever and be autonomous without being part of the the society that's fine but for the people that do like right you get these people jobs and uh mental health and substance abuse therapy Mm -hmm. now you have another citizen that can add to both the socialism and the capitalism side of the American society to contribute and, and, you know, make this country better. Totally. Totally. Solving problems. (laughs) One person at a time. That's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any, any other questions that, I have for you. I guess in terms of so anyone listening who's not sold on the tiny house thing, what would you say? Like, what are some actionable takeaways? I know we spoke about minimalism and looking at, you know, necessity, simplicity versus excess and um what would be some of your takeaways from your own personal experience and and your philosophy that we can all do at home to to not only simplify but embrace um ways of living like this that might serve us better than than what is what we've accepted well i think um You know, like you said, the, the more things you have in your home and your living space, it are it becomes the the more things you have in your mind, right? Like it clutters it clutters your mind. Um, living simply, whatever that means for you, living simply helps simplify your life. You don't, you know, we can get silly with it and say the less things you have the less you need to think about where those things are at when you need them, right? Mm-hmm. Very, there's a very simplistic uh, example. Totally. The more things you have, you now have to think about, okay, where did I, where did I put that, that book? Or where did I put X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that, again, stay with me because I'm on a simplistic example, but with that comes more time spent looking for things or decluttering right Mm -hmm. this life is all about for me it's it's about efficiency because time is 
time is the commodity and the resource that I'm working for. I don't work for money. I work for time. Mm. So being living this lifestyle of no rent, no electric bill, uh, the sun is free. Um, and I realize not everyone can do that, but there are other ways to generate electricity. Um, water bills negligible. You know, it's $30 every two weeks to fill up water. <clears throat> so with that, with this life, I freed up time and money mm-hmm. to now invest in myself as well as other people. Mm-hmm. And that was a powerful thing that I didn't realize was coming after I built this truck. Mm. Uh, this, was, this was my home that I was building. This was a new adventure. It was exciting. But with that, it's like, okay, you don't have, you don't have to pay rent anymore, Vaughn. You have more money. You also have more time because you don't have to work as much or you don't have to work as right. much as, as you did before just to make rent, just to pay bills, just to do this, just to do that. I do have bills, but it's not tied to my living and my security of my my home it's bills to help further my business or you know conveniences but um i think the freeing up of time and money was were the two most powerful things uh, for me doing this and then just uh just the ability to really tap into what it takes to live at least in this country, in terms mm-hmm. of resources, mm-hmm. um, just to give you an example, please. I have a I have a three gallon water pump per minute. So three gallons per minute, it flows water through the pump. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I have a twenty one gallon tank of mm-hmm. water for my shower. Okay. So let's just say I take a five minute shower, right? Mm-hmm. That's 15 gallons of water that I just used. Imagine 15 jugs of water on your table right now. Or <laughs> right now, right? That's a lot of water. That's a lot right. of water. Right. Um, now, I mean, five minutes is a quick shower, but imagine the people average like 10. Right. Maybe 15 if you're a woman, you might need to wash your hair. Or if somebody, if you're somebody with longer hair, you wash your hair, whatever. Hey, I can break that for anyone listening. I can take a five-minute shower, wash my hair, do everything. And That's, I have there it is. There it is. No there excuses. Yeah. So people, you can do it. Right. But let's let's not forget that human experience. Showers feel good. They're right. warm. They're I've done some of my best thinking in the shower or on the mm-hmm. toilet. So the bathroom <laughs> is, is a great place. Uh, but when you, when you look at that and look how much water, take a 20 minute shower, that's 60 gallons of water. That's a lot of water. And really you only need two minutes of water. So you, you wet your body, right? right? Let's say you have a minute of water, you wet your body. You wash, mm-hmm. you rinse off. Right. Right. So two minutes of water use is really all you need. So it's roughly six gallons on a three gallon per minute pump. Mm -hmm. Um, Apartments and homes have a little more powerful pumps. So you're probably wasting a little more water. Mm. But Really just looking at that resource and like, wow, we really do go through water. And I guarantee you, if number one, we had more possible shower heads that people Mm -hmm. or came standard. Mm-hmm. Number two had meters 
digital digital meters in our showers that show us how much water we're using, I guarantee you people would stop. I, pe I guarantee people would stop using as much water yeah. as they do uh, currently, just like roads. When you put lanes in roads, people stay in them. When there's no, when there's no lanes, people go all over the place, right? We, we know countries in the Caribbean and South America, just like that. They drive wherever they, they fit in and it works. Oh, yeah. As soon as you put a lane down though, people stay in the lane. Right, it's a, order. It's a thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. You give me a pause button and a monitor to let me know how much water I'm using. I'm probably not going to use as much water. I'm going to be I'm going to be so astonished at that. Maybe even put like a how much it's costing you <laughs> per mm. gallon, right? Right. Uh, just little things like that. I think I think we can do better. Mm -hmm. as a and it's it's just like little tweaks like that mm. that make you really see how much how much of our resources that we use and that they're just wasted, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. But but for anyone listening, mm -hmm. I support showers that, <laughs> that, uh, that birth excellent ideas. <laughs> I'm not telling you to take a two minute shower. I'm just saying, be conscious of the water usage. Totally, totally. It's the simple thing. I mean, we talked about that when I was, luckily when I was a little kid in science class and they would send us home and it's like a fun little game see how short you can make your shower see how you can get creative about it totally yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> it just you know I mean to me as I consider this switch in housing as I look at how this can you know how I can create a home that reflects these values and um that really connects me with, again, the resources that I'm using yep. is, I think the water thing is such a, I mean, when you live off a grid, it's like one of the first things you have to think about is yeah. size of tank, where your water's come from, all that stuff, how you're using your water. And it's that, to, like we talked about, bring it full circle. It's like those things that we take for granted or are built into systems that currently exist that disconnect us from that. I remember I was probably in the bathroom when I had this thought. <laughs> I was like, why are toilets clean water? Why is there not a gray water loop system from used shower water into the toilet? Does that not yeah. just make logical sense? Yeah. And there and there there are uh systems that you can get to do that right there are right. people that have thought the same thing and they created that so the bigger question is why aren't houses being built like that as a standard or mm -hmm. why are toilet systems not being built like that as a standard to where your shower water now becomes the toilet water you flush it down or used sink water now becomes the toilet water you flush it down you could even reuse that toilet water for something else you could use it for gardening you could use it mm -hmm. you know, whatever you you can clean that you can filter it right use it for gardening and now you have plants that use water now you have a full loop no mm -hmm. wash no, no no wasted water <clears throat> so i'm so I, curious when the disconnect happened in like historical development hmm. because we come from loosely speaking anthropologically speaking circular loops because yeah. of the necessity of that working with 
what is. So I don't, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's so curious and it'd be really curious to look at historically speaking, when did we break away from circular systems yeah. in the name of progress to these like one-time use systems really? Right, right, right. Yeah, how can we how can we get back to circular economies and take cue from again other countries who are doing it now? You know, mm -hmm. Amsterdam, France, uh, Germany, um, you know, Tokyo, Japan. Like those places are, from what I've seen, they they are enacting um, the the uh, least amount of waste programs right like the circular programs the um sustainable programs <clears throat> or efficiency you know so mm -hmm. i think with efficiency comes uh least amount of waste mm -hmm. and like you said time i say this all the time in our conversations here is it's the only resource that we never get back yeah yep again that perspective of life death what's it all really mean to us I, that's like the crux of it is that's that currency absolutely amen all right last question because i feel like you definitely would have some good ones any book recommendations oh of course <laughs> uh so four hour work week by timothy ferris mm -hmm. um Another one is Set Boundaries, Find Peace mm. by Idra Tawab. Okay. Um, another one is uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, I've heard of this one. Haven't read it yet. You gotta read it. You gotta read it. Okay. Um, it's, it's one worthy of rereading again, like after, you, after a few years has gone, have gone by. Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, Business Made Simple by Donald, Donald Miller. Um, <clears throat> there's another one called uh, Thank You for Arguing. Let me get the author. Thank You for Arguing by Jay Heinrichs. Uh, like this. Uh, talks about different personality types and using logic rather than uh, logic and reason rather than getting sucked into the emotional side of things mm. to, to deal with people who like to argue or argue with you it it's a great book um and i think the last one would be the definitive book of body language mm. i don't recall the author offhand but it is called the definitive book of body language great book i love to people watch i'm a professional people watcher <laughs> an observer and i've learned so much about observation that i mean i can just i can talk to people and kind of understand the disposition without them even telling me anything mm -hmm. uh, but that book is a great read i've gifted it to a friend before i've told people about it but yeah the hopefully those are some books that, that people can enjoy Amazing. I will link them all in the show notes. So thank yeah. you so much yeah. for that. Absolutely. I think this might be my new question that I always ask us. I've been <laughs> waiting for one to come to me. And yeah, that's it. Oh, I, got, I, have, I have one more book. Please. Called Finding One. And Finding 
one uh, spelled out, it's uh, it's my book. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> number one recommendation. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Will you give us a quick synopsis? What's yeah? It's it's really just about. Uh, you know, I wrote it at a time where um, I was like deep into entrepreneurship and most entrepreneurs know it's a lonely life, right? You're, you're by yourself a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking at life and observations and things that I was learning at the time. And granted, you know, I wrote it in 2016. There are some things that I have modified in terms of like, what I wrote in that book or things that I just don't agree with anymore, mm -hmm. which is, that's how it should be evolution. But totally. at the time it, it really, I talk about ego. Uh, that's the first chapter, ego, communication, relationships, energy, um, goal achievement, the happiness factor, uh, just all the things that com comprise our lives of our experiences and how to address them and I talk about regrets. Uh, regrets don't serve us at all, right? You can't change anything that happened, whatever. What you do is take lessons from that, but there should be no regrets because it's disrespectful to your journey. You, Ooh. you, can I curse on here? Can I curse? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so I have, it. I have this saying um, that when I spoke about, when I was doing my book tour and I was speaking about my book, I would get everyone to to say this with me, but basically it's, I will own my shit, the good and the bad, and I will not accept any regret because to do so is disrespectful to my journey. Mm -hmm. So whatever comes with your life, embrace that. Embrace all the things because you, you get people that say, I wish I would have done this back then. If you had changed it, you might not be in the position that you're in now. And it might be a worse off position, or you might not know the people that you know, or you might not have mm -hmm. had this family that you have now, right? Regrets don't serve us at all. And they're just an excuse to feel sad. Mm. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help us at all. Like, let that go, accept everything that's happened and move forward with that information so you can empower somebody else from your lesson, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yourself. Yeah, and yourself, and yourself, for sure. So hopefully you've learned, but now you can impart that knowledge on somebody else Totally. And help them not make the same mistake or help them through something that you wish you hadn't done. Right. But um, I talk about all those things that make us human. And it's a very straightforward book. It's a tough love. I'm either going to challenge what you think or reinforce what you think. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's not a book where you have to agree with me. It's a book to do those two things and make you think. It's interactive. At the end of each chapter, I have a place where you can write and journal. Love um, it. I have actionable questions at the end of some of the chapters. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good book. <laughs> Beautiful. Definitely going to grab that. Thank, Thank you, you for that. Um, yeah. Oh, God, wait, I had something that I wanted to ask along that line. Oh, no um about the book oh okay if you had any one piece of advice for anyone listening who has an idea to we'll stick in the social entrepreneurship space mm -hmm. any 
idea or is starting something that um, they believe in. Any advice for anyone that that wants to or is doing something in this space hmm. from your experience? That's a great question. I think uh, I think oftentimes people get caught up in money. Uh, it could be anything. It could be <clears throat> there's no money in this or even thinking of somebody else is probably doing this or even looking at it from a difficulty standpoint, uh, which is something I, I really want people to, if you take nothing else from this talk or this podcast, discontinue looking at life from a difficulty standpoint. Uh, easy hard right don't look at things from difficulty level look at things from what resources do i need to to achieve this or obtain this right so as a software developer people ask well is it hard <clears throat> i can't tell you that i can tell you how much time i put in to learn how to code and how quickly you grasp concepts is entirely up to you and your brain but i don't look at things as easy or hard things absolutely become effortless the more you do them right mm -hmm. uh repetition breeds retention so the more you do something the easier it gets but mm -hmm. i think moving away from difficulty level and just saying i believe this is a great idea get it vetted by people in the industry, not your friends. Your friends and your family are gonna tell you it's a great idea. Get it vetted by people who don't know you, who are objective, and work on getting cheerleaders on your team who can help you bring this, this idea to life. Because one thing that I never had until recently was a team. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the hardest things to do as an entrepreneur. You can't do this by yourself if you want something great. Sure, you can make money by yourself, but if you're trying to start a company or grow a company, you can't do it alone. You need a team. Right. And now I have this amazing like director of design and operations. She's been with me since June. I've never had a teammate in in my own enterprises. And I can't I can't tell you that how grateful I am for her. Like I wouldn't be in this position right now to date without her. So get your team, get the people who can help you, even if even if they have never done a business before, if they have some skills that are value to get you to the next phase, bring that person in, recruit them, and um, just go for it. There, there's no, don't worry about the failures either. Just like go for it. Uh, proceed, uh, register the company, get the domain, create your mission, right? Uh, have a mission to help. I, I believe every company should have a mission to help mm -hmm. uh, its advantage people. So have some kind of mission though, and just go for it. Like it's an adventure. It's a story to tell people, whether you 
succeed in the way you want or it goes a different route it's a story to tell people and share and somebody's going to learn from your experiences like if we look at life like that somebody's going to learn from me so let me just do all the things learn all the things take in all the things and see what happens beautiful yeah great advice great hopefully, advice yeah hopefully it helps somebody <laughs> i'm sure it will it already i mean it helped me so i'll take it Awesome. One done. Vaughn, yes. thank you so much for your time and you. thank you for your wisdom. I appreciate this opportunity.